Thank you for listening to the Alliance Church Podcast. We desire to connect you with God and one another, whether here in Wisconsin or around the world. Let's listen into this week's message. Well, it says a lot about a church. That would take a wild, untamed teenager from New Jersey and say, yeah, you can join the team. It is... Says a lot about the people here. If you're new here, first time here, and you're wondering, does this church love people like me, messy people like me? They do. They do. They do well. They love you. They'll, they'll cheer you on every step of the way. Uh, this has been fun. The last week, it's been cool to look back on my, my dad's ministry here, my mom's ministry here, and see what God's done through their leadership. Uh, looking back is something I like to do, uh, but my dad, if you know him, he never looks back. <laughs> he is on to the next one. He is on to the next thing all the time. I remember when he dropped me off at college, uh, I had to like, when we were driving up or down to Indiana, I had to be like, Dad, you got to stop, at least get to like 10 miles an hour so I can roll out of the car at least, because he's just on to the next thing. You know, my mom was in the backseat, I think, the whole way, just looking at baby albums. You know, just, just crying, just getting all in it, you know, looking back. And my dad's like on to the next thing. In fact, as he drove away, I vaguely remember, I mean, I can't confirm this, but I vaguely remember him leaning out the window with all my stuff there on the curb. He said something like, he said something like, now get on to, let, or what'd he say? No, he said, get on to, let's get, get those grandbabies going. <laughs> like, I'm not even dating anybody yet. Like, and my buddy was like, you're not even married. And I was like, he's a progressive pastor. He's really, he's really modern. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just teasing. But no, uh, it is, he's on to the next thing. I'll tell you, though, the, the one thing that I'm so thankful that the Lord did in my life through my parents in a big way was they gave me a local church. You need your family. You need your bi- the biological family. But boy, you need... The family of God. You really do. Life is too hard. It's too big. You can't do it on your own, just trying your own stuff. You need people who love Jesus and are pointed at him and are around you, encouraging and cheerleading you every step of the way toward the Lord. And modeling for you where all of their source of truth and hope comes from. And it's all found right in the book, in the Bible. It's built on scripture. So I don't think there's a better way to start this next chapter of our time together and then to open up the book to read from scripture and then talk about how to apply it to our life. So let's do that. We're gonna go to Isaiah chapter six and this is Isaiah's commissioning service. You know, I'm in a, this is a commissioning service. This is Isaiah's commissioning. Here it is. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. They were calling to one another. Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, who fills, who the whole, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is, is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. 
Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. This is the word of the Lord. This is also an encounter. Isaiah is having a a real, authentic encounter with the being, the person that we call God in the Old Testament. They didn't dare box him in with a name. He was just, I am. He was the great I am. That's all, that's that. They're not gonna, how dare they put language and words that confine him. We're just, he's the I am. He's the unutterable, unspeakable being that is so other and nothing like us. I mean, even the sum total of all of humanity that will ever exist is a mere reflection, just a, just a mere reflection of this being. The best way I can try to help you understand what it would be like to be in the mere pre- to be in the presence of God, every instance in the Old Testament where this happens, the mere mortal that happens to be experiencing this in a in a transcendent kind of encounter in this way, where that God has, is addressing this mortal, He is talking to them. Uh, in every instance, it is met with abject terror and fear. In every instance, it is a crippling doom. And uh, the best way for me to help, even just try to, try to scratch the surface, if you can think of for a minute, think of the worst storm you've ever been in. And I don't mean to resurrect uh, trauma, but if you can think of the worst if you, hurricane or, or even a really bad thunderstorm where you're exposed to the elements or you're in a particular shelter that is just being... Um, you know, ravaged by the elements of wind and rain and thunder and lightning. If you could put yourself in that moment when you're just like, I'm done. There's no exit strategy here. This is it. I'm, I'm one lightning bolt away. I am one gust of wind away. This is it. This is over. I am undone. If you can think of that. If, if for me as a kid, I, one other way I kind of imagine this a little bit is that, you know, when I would go out in the ocean, we would go to the Jersey Shore, and as a kid, you know, those waves, they're big. If you know, even as an adult, there's been a few times where I'm like, I'm out too far. And they're big. And one of them, and a couple times as a kid, every summer this would happen, but I'd be out, I'd be out a little too far, and that horizon line would disappear. And that, that swell would just keep growing and growing and growing. And before you know it, you're kind of getting sucked in and you're trying to get into the right spot, but you're not, it's just too big. It's just going to get you. So you just tuck and roll and pray. And that wave hits and you're just thrashed around like a rag doll and you have what's called no control. You know, when you're in the elements and the storm, you're, no, you're, you're just exposed. You got no say in what's going to happen next. You're just exposed. You're just undone. That experience, your experience, is a grain of sand on all the beaches of the world compared to what it would be like in the presence of the Almighty. To to be a, a mere mortal in the presence 
of the one who made the sun. Think of what kind of power that, he just made it, he just spoke it. The wrath, the violence, the overwhelming um, power that's just in that space that would be overwhelming. They say even theologians debate that the smoke that you always hear about that's referred to in this situation is just to protect the, the beings from looking directly into the power and the, the being that is the almighty God. And think of the seraphim, like there's six of them in this particular instance, and you have to give, you have to give Isaiah a break. He's trying to use human language, even, even though God's inspiring the text. It's, it's still, it's, it, there's a certain amount of letters in the alphabet. It's just, he's doing his best to explain heavenly things with earthly terms that we have. So the seraphim is like this beast in other passages of scripture. It's, it would fill this, it's just unspeakably enormous beast. It's not a canary flying around. This thing is huge, and it's got six wings, and if one of them were to just, just hover and, and just kind of float and, and fly around this room. I mean, and, and they would speak and this room would, would shake. And, the, and the, you'd see that you'd hear the noises of the cameras and things cracking. Everything's falling over and things are falling down in the aisles here. You'd hear all this noise and this, there'd be smoke and we'd understand what this being is saying. And we would be terrified, right? Just, just, just one of them, just one of these created beings, not even the creator. We would be undone. We would just, this thing could just look at me the wrong way and I would be stricken with terror. And yet these seraphim, I mean, they can't even, they're not even looking. They're using their wings to cover their face and they're just saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's all they can say. That's all they can say. They're just repeating it because that's all that can be said. Because that's the other thing you experience in the presence of God. Smallness and your sinfulness. You're just, you're always going to get both. You're going to get the smallness of who we are and the sinfulness. Even our associations, we just feel, we feel the, the impurity of even just what we're around. And we think, we think of every sinful bent in our heart. I mean, I, if you think you're not even that bad of a person, if I took all your thoughts from the week and put them up on the screens and played it like a movie, we couldn't show that to anybody. I mean, it's just, we're all, there's just so much impurity and the holiness in our life. And it's, it's exposed. I mean, that's what being in the presence of God does. It just reveals the real you. The real you comes out and you go, I, and you realize there is a cavernous gap. There is a canyon between me and going all the way in. I just can't barge into to that presence. I can't. He's so holy, so powerful, so other. I'm undone. It's over. The, the best way to understand it is it's over. It's just, there's, it's doom. There's not, no, no amount of righteousness or good work that's ever gonna get me across this canyon. It's over, it's done, it's over, it's done. I'm doomed, no hope, impossible. That's where Isaiah's at. But then something happens and it's, it's, um, there's a lot of metaphor and symbol in it, but this is what Isaiah experiences in that vision. There's an altar uh, in the temple, and we have an altar. If you remember this, this is actually from our Durkee Street uh, location when we were over at Durkee Street in Appleton. 
And this is, we, we brought it with us. It's an altar. If you remember, we used to do communion um, where we'd have like the, the juice and we'd have the, the trays with all the bread crackers in there. And we used to take the bread and we used to pass it up and down the aisles. And perfect strangers would... <laughs> we used to do that. It's like so long ago. It was like so 2019. But that's an altar. This, this one is the other. This is my kind of illustration. This is kind of an altar, but this is so, such a poor example. And an altar in the Old Testament, in, in the temple, was like the centerpiece. It was this huge piece of stone. It was massive. It was just a big thing. And it was because the, the priests, the high priests, which were, you know, they were young guys. It's not because they were trying to empower young leaders. It's because it's a tough job just lifting bulls and, and animals up all the time and cutting them. And there's, there's blood everywhere. It's just a, it's a young man's, it's a young man's game. They're all in their 20s and 30s doing this, just sacrifices. It was just to sacrifice the animals. And hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of Jews every year would be constantly coming in and asking for sacrifices. Their harvest would go on there and it would be burned up. There was fire. There was, and, and so the coals, I've got like briquettes here, but these coals are like the wood coals from like hundreds of fires all the time, just constantly hot, flaming hot coals from all this fire, burning up all these, these sacrifices. Because what God had said was, listen, I'm, I'm a just God. You got to know me. I don't let people off the hook. Grace is not letting you get away with sin. That's not grace. It's called injustice. People get away with evil. And God, the good news is God's just perfectly. No, no sin gets undealt with. The problem is like, I don't want you to pay that price. It's too high. Of, I love you too much. And it's too high of a price. You will not pay it. I will provide a way. I'll provide a lamb, a sacrificial process. So that's what the sacrificial system was. So Jews would bring their sacrifices. They'd put them on the altar. Or they'd haul them up there. They'd, they'd kill them. And there was, again, it was, it was violent. But that's because sin is always worse than you think it is. Imagine your childhood without sin, how much healthier that would have been, right? Imagine you're being a parent without sin. And I mean, it's just, it's, sin is way worse than we think it is. It's just gotta be dealt with. And so there's a the measure of violence that comes with this and for justice to be served. And, and, and so, but God's like, I don't want you to do it. I'm gonna provide a means. So the Jews, they weren't putting their faith in that goat or that ox or that, that harvest. Their faith was in God. Same as us, faith is in God that he's made a way. He's made a way for them to be made right with him. That's what it is. And from that altar, a seraphim grabs just one, one coal, just one, just, just one hot coal and just touches the lip of Isaiah and all the guilt, all the sin, Isaiah can now cross the canyon and go all the way in, guilt-free, sinless, one goal. Hear this. You have to listen to this. You need, you need to hear me. I want, you, I want you for a second. I want you to think of that sin, that one sin. That one sin that, you know, you would say, my, my first husband, my first wife, they'll never forgive me for it. My, my, me and my kids, it's something, you, kids will never forgive me. My, my parents will never forgive me. Maybe it's, you know, you'll have that phrase, like, I can't forgive myself for this one. This is the one that when I close my eyes, I fold my hands. 
and I come into the presence of God to talk to him, it's there. It's the, I, it's, there's like a Polaroid, like somebody put it down and like, remember this? You think you can go into the presence of God? Remember this? Remember what you said? Remember what you did? Maybe it's that, maybe it's that sin that you, it's happened so many times, you're just convinced, you're convinced that whenever you, whenever you ask for forgiveness for that one, God winces. Whatever that is, whatever that, that one is, that's whoa. That's whoa. Whoa is me. It's undone. It's never, I'm doomed. I can't cross that bridge. I'll never know the freedom of closing my eyes guilt-free and talking to God from that one. Can I tell you something what God's trying to tell you today? Listen to me. I want you to hear this. This is for you. You need to hear this. There is more grace in a coal from the altar of God than there is sin, shame, guilt in a thousand of your lifetimes. Is there enough? There's plenty. You ever, you ever wonder about this? Jesus, it, the scripture's clear. The only thing that needs to be atoned for sin, the only thing that'll cover your sin eternally is, is the blood of Jesus. It's just the blood. It's just all it is. It's just the blood. It's the blood. He could have. Jesus could have. He knows that. Jesus knows that. He could have just come and just, just, just pricked his finger, let a little bit of blood out, a little bit of blood for your sin, and it would have been more than enough for all your sin. It would have been more than enough. But he didn't do that. No, he didn't do that. He went on the altar. That's what it is. This, is. this points to that. He went on the altar, which is the cross, and he let people put nails into his hands, nails into his feet, a crown of thorns on his head, like just to add, just to show you how much. And he even let someone, when, they, when he died, the soldier pierced him in the side, I mean, with a sword. He let it all, he was whipped with shards of glass on his back. He could have done it any other way. And he did it like that to show you, to help you understand there's plenty. There's, there's, there's so much. You're wondering, is there enough? There's enough. There's plenty for you, for all of us, for anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord, for any sin. There's plenty. And when you realize that, when you get that, when you, when you realize uh, there's so much there's so much forgiveness. There's so much grace. There's so much available. When you realize that, you just say, wow. And then what happens next is God asks a question. He says, who will go? Who will go? There's people out there, out those doors. There's people out there that don't know this. They haven't heard this. They don't know that I, that I want them in, that, I want to, that I've made a way. They don't know this. Who will go? Who will go and tell them? Who will do that? And let me tell you something. When, when you encounter the real God, you know what you say? You say, send me. Send me. And you don't ask, how much is it going to cost me? 10%? You don't ask that. Because you got this. You got all of them. You, got, you can go all the way in. You don't ask. Yeah, how much is it going to cost me? What am I going to look at? What's my reputation going to be? How are people going to see me? You don't care about any of that because you got all of that. You got God. You got his love. 
You just, you just go. Send me. I want, I, want to, I want to tell people. You've given me that kind of love. Send me. There are three things. Listen to me. You need to hear this. There are three things that will happen to you whenever you encounter the real God. Not, not the God that makes sense to you in your mind, but the God of the Bible. There are three things that will happen to you every time. Number one is woe. Woe is me. That would be number one. You'll, you'll always, I look, the most godly people I know, the people that live their life in the presence of God, where I always feel like I'm interrupting them between, and the conversation between them and God. They're just, they're these people that are just so godly. Every, they're, they're constantly aware of their weakness. They're just, they're, their sensitivity toward their own sin, it just, it's, it goes up the closer they get to God. They're, they don't even want to be around things that smell like sin. They just, they just, they're, they're constantly in this state of woe. Is I, there's a wickedness that they understand is all around. Closer you get to God, the more you realize that. You don't become like a Pharisee, like a religious elite that makes everybody feel like they're better than, than you. No, the opposite. You go, man, I'm the worst of all. Paul said, after having authored parts of the New Testament, which none of us have done that yet, or will, we never will. He's authored parts of the New Testament. God's used them. He still writes, I am the chief of sinners. Because isn't that true? We all know inside we think we're the worst sinner. Like when you know what I think about, you know what I'm really the worst in the room. We all feel that way about us. When we're honest, right? And the closer you get to God, the more aware and exposed you are of that. Second thing that happens. Is, wow. Wow, God. You see this. You see what you got. You see all this. You see everything you got access to at the cross. You see there's plenty. There's so much of it. I, I'm never going to run out of this. You say, wow. Wow. And then at the end of it, you go, you find out there's people out there that you love, that you and I love, that don't know that they don't even know them. They don't know this. They don't know this. So you say, send me, send me. I'm going. I got, someone's got to tell them. Those are three things. But it all pivots. Ready for this? Don't, don't miss this, please. It all pivots on number two. You go, you go from woe is me to send me. On wow, God. Well, you, 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 it all pivots on there. So here's what this means. This is so important. I, I wrote this down. I want you to, I want you to get this. This is, this is, this is the gospel, right? Um, the degree to which you can love others, serve others, forgive others, give grace to others, whatever it is, is limited only by one thing. It is limited by the amount of love you allow yourself to receive from God. It will never rise above that. You want to forgive that person? You want to forgive them? And you're like, I can't forgive. Well, here's the thing. How much forgiveness are you allowing yourself to receive from God? Because there's plenty. There is plenty. How much of that forgiveness are you taking in on your own life? If you're drinking God's love through a straw, you need to repent of that and ask God to do one thing. Widen. Widen the scope. Widen the amount of love that I can receive from God. Because your love for others will never rise above that. It'll never rise. You want to love your neighbor? Why? Widen what you, what kind of love? Look, you want to serve people better? You want to go and be sent and serve people? Let God serve more of you. And that, look, if that sounds weird, it's Jesus' Jesus' words, not mine. 
He said, I came to, I came to serve, not to be served. That's why the son of man came to serve you. Are you letting them, are you letting them serve you this much? Or are you only taking in this much? Are you letting God serve you in the area of your eternal destiny? Like when you, when you think about dying, you're like, ah, if I'm going to die, maybe, maybe I'll get, I mean, would you let him take care of that today? Would you let him serve you in the area of your eternal destiny? He's got enough. He's got enough to cover it. If you're having a hard time receiving forgiveness for some sin in your life, would you let him just forgive it? Would you let him just, no guilt, no more shame, all your sin atone for, the amount of that you can receive is directly in proportion to the amount you will give. How much hope do you need? Will you, will you put more, would you allow Jesus to give you even more hope for what's possible in your next chapter of life and family and ministry? Would you allow him to widen it so you can go into the doctor's office and give those nurses a lot more hope? Because you know they need it. Those doctors, those nurses, the people, are you gonna be able to give them hope? Or are you gonna, you gonna widen the amount of hope you can have from the Lord? Power and trust, widen it. Why ask him, repent of it, say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've been drinking your forgiveness in through a straw. But I realize now there's, there's so much. Just crush me with it, God. All the guilt, all of it, all the sin atoned for. Why don't you stand as you're able? We're going to close in a worship song here. See, this isn't just my commissioning service. This is yours. There's the, the vision's too big. The... The, 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 the task is too great. The, the fields, as it says in scripture, the harvest is ready. It's the workers out of the problem. There's not enough that are willing to say, here I am, send me. So this isn't just my commissioning service. This is yours. I'm asking, God's asking. But here's the deal. You cannot say, send me. You cannot say, send me on your own strength, on your own power. You cannot say, send me, unless you can first say, Wow, God. So let's ask God to widen the ability of ourselves to take in more of him, more of his love, more of his grace, more of his forgiveness so we can give it. And I'm gonna pray a prayer and I want you to use your own words. Don't, you don't have to steal my words. You can, you can use your own words, but I wanna pray this prayer. And if you pray this prayer for the first time, you're commissioned, you've joined, you've joined our team. You're in, and, and never again will you close your eyes and see that Polaroid picture because that's, you've, you've said, I've widened my arms for that. I, it covers that thing. It covers that sin. It covers that season of my life. It covers it. You've already, that's what you're doing right now. So here's what I'm gonna ask. If you do this and you do it for the first time, I wanna know. I wanna know who got commissioned with me on my first day. I wanna know if you did too. Email me, let me know. But I'm gonna pray. Put in your own words. Let's pray. Jesus, we confess We have sinned greatly. We're exposed. It's revealed. Your presence is here among us. And we are unclean. We are unholy. And we are undone. So Lord, we believe in your son, Jesus. We receive today his blood and his grace and his sacrifice on our behalf. 
we receive a coal from the altar and we choose right now to believe it is enough for all our guilt and our sin. So Lord, here I am. Send me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's worship together.